and welcome back to the Supercoach Sanctum podcast. My name is Will and I'm joined as always by Matt and Jasper and we're, we've made it to the other end of the buy rounds um, and nine games nine games every round hopefully for, for the rest of the season. So uh, we've made it past the tricky tricky part of the season and we're ready to go full tilt into the run home. Um, boys, how did, we, how did we score this week? Yeah, I think Will, you, you've got us again this week. You've come out of the buy rounds probably pretty well i think um i think we've all gone up over the buy rounds which is what you want to do while you while you finish up your teams um so so hopefully that's the case for a lot of you coaches out there as well matt how how have you gone how, how have you assessed your buy round period i've moved upwards uh, in each of the buys so um i guess i've been successful in that regard but i did go in a bit more optimistically i thought i'd it was a real chance to to make a full tilt at you know, top two or three thousand come out, hopefully in a really strong position for the run home, but just didn't work out that way. I only had seventeen in that in round fourteen, which I didn't expect. Uh, I thought I'd have at least twenty, um, or not at least twenty. I, I did the maths and I, ha- I had twenty, and then Waterman didn't play, and Reeves obviously got dropped yeah. through injury and didn't come back, and um. You know, Lockie Jones was poor and Josh Kelly was injured as my captain and all these things just as Supercoach, as it happens in Supercoach, it all sort of fell down around me and um, it wasn't as productive around 14 as I had hoped. But um, I've come out of it with no major injury concerns, no real issues. So, um, And I'm only one trade now away from full premium um, if you count Pat Cripps is a premium who I don't really count as a premium. So technically two uh, upgrades away from full primo, but in a pretty good space. So it's fair to say you um, went into the buy rounds optimistically and, and came out misty optically. Like, like the great tennis would say. Um, yeah, that is I, one of the I'm all-time the great commentary lines, by the way. <laughs> I'm in the same position as you with one rookie on ground. It'll probably be Callum... Oh, Callum Coleman Jones, uh, because he's been scoring so well. Um, so he's he's who I'm going to upgrade next week once I've done these upgrades, and then from then on I should have a full primo side. Um, like you, I have a couple questionable uh, players in there who are technically primos, but don't play like them right now. Um, I brought in Kyle Langford. I think you also did that, uh, Matt, and he was pretty disappointing. Uh, Jake Stringer got most of those CVAs and, and Langford was on the wing for probably about 80% of the game, which wasn't ideal, but uh, I think there's there's room for him to, to average about 100 from here on out. And I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to go into a bit of a rolling 22 and have a look at who we think will be averaging the most um, going forward for the next eight rounds of the season. Uh, so I'm excited to get into that one, Will. Yeah, so we've got... Um... It's an interesting one to look at, actually. We've got, got a handful of players, um, the handful of defenders, I should say, um, who look like, you know, there's probably a fairly set sort of top six um, that you can expect to be the top six come season's end, but a few um, who might sort of drift in and out of that as well. So um, sort of the top top four or five is um, at the moment as it stands and 
as can probably be expected come season's end, would be Rory Laird, Jake Lloyd, Callum Mills, Tom Stewart as a four, and then Lockie Whitfield, another one. Um, and yeah. Jasper, what are your thoughts on who might who might fill that sixth or fifth and sixth spot? Well, I think firstly, like these aren't the players who have averaged the most um, for the season so far. Otherwise, you know, Lockie Whitford wouldn't be a part of this conversation because he's only played a handful of games and and started out um, a little bit slowly when he did come back. Uh, these are the players that we think are going to average or, or amass the most total points from here on out. Um, so you won't see Josh Kelly in the midfield because I think he might miss this week. I think he might miss a single week with that um, ankle that he, that he sprained. Uh, so he's not going to be in here because uh, his total points wouldn't equal the, the other guys on that list. Uh, for the sixth spot as a defender, I really, I really like uh, Luke Ryan. I think, you know, last year, I think he finished the second highest priced defender for a reason um, behind Jake Lloyd. He's a really, really, really good player. And, and he doesn't get the plaudits around the league because he plays for Frio and no one watches Frio. Uh, but I think he's a great option. He's still quite pricey, but uh, he's probably the sixth defender for mine. Another one is Daniel Rich, who I know you're high on, uh, Will. Yeah, I think Rich has been pretty good this season. I think he's sort of among top echelon of defenders and, and sort of overall scorers as well. Um, yeah, so he's averaging 103 um, from his from his 13 um, games, which has been pretty good and um, obviously hit a higher 138 um, and a lowest lowest of just 72, um, which was all the way back in round one, actually. So, um, he's, yeah, he's been really good for the Lions since then. And I think, um, I think yeah, just his run and um, sort of ability to, yeah, run and get the ball around the ground um, and, and kick it long as well. Um, I think that really um, is one thing that serves him well. Um, as yeah, yeah a potential top six it. defender going, going forward. Hands, uh, the one thing that I really like about his run home is just how easy some of his matchups are. Uh, he's got the Cats this week, which is probably one of the harder um, matchups, but he goes Adelaide, St Kilda. Um, he's got Hawthorne. He's got the Suns. He's got Frio. He's got Collingwood as well. These are all like bottom half of the table sides who give up a lot of points to defenders, especially in Supercoach. Um, so I think he's going to go big to end the season uh, and maybe even make a tilt at, at the Lions' best and fairest because he's in that kind of form and, and maybe even an All-Australian blazer. We'll see how he goes. Um, so I think there's a lot for him to play for um, in the second half of the season, and I think he's going to go big. What about you? Do you have anyone else in, in the defender conversation for top six? I really like Jack Crisp, um, averaging 100 on the year exactly, um, 1,300 points from 13 games. Um, he's sort of just sitting outside that, um, I guess, relevant premium discussion. But with Darcy Moore going down with that knee injury, there is the potential for him to float back um, from his midfield role and and play a bit more of a rebounding role, which he has in the past and, and has scored well in the past. And whilst I think that there's um, more points on offer for him as a pure midfielder when he when he gets that role, and, and it is a position he's been playing a lot this year, um, when he goes back as like, instead of going forward or to the bench, he'll typically go back onto a half-back flank to, to get his rest and, and to recuperate a little bit before yeah. going back on the ball. Um, but that move means he's just going to have a, a bit more of an opportunity to rebound and, and take in set possessions because Darcy Moore is going to be out with that PCL injury 
for probably the remainder of the season. So I just think there's a, I don't think much changes. I, I think he'll probably start averaging, you know, an, an extra five to 10 points maybe, but that'll push him up to about 105, 110 point average to finish the year. Yeah. I, I like your thought process there with Chris floating back um, as well as spending a bit of time in the midfield. We saw with Pendlebury going into midfield as well, the lim- the minutes get a little bit more limited for guys like Steel Sidebottom and, and Crisp. Um, and with Darcy Moore going down now, I think they do need his drive out of the back line. And what's positive about it is his tank's so good that he, he spends like 90% of the time on ground plus. Um, and when you compare that to other midfielders, you know, like it's, it's pretty crazy. And even like a Jaden Short who, who goes at about 76, 77% of, of time on ground. Um, that's just a huge tick in Chris' favour uh, for the for the top six to end the season uh, for defenders. I think I think he's well and truly in that conversation as well. As our Don's fan here, Jasper, what are your thoughts on Jordan Ridley? Because obviously he started the season pretty pretty hot um, and then went down with that injury, um, and he's been sort of a, a little bit um, lackluster since he since he came back from that. Well, he started the season unbelievably. Hey, he he went. I think through the first four rounds, I think it was, he was averaging the most uh, points in the comp in Supercoach terms, which is just unbelievable. Uh, he's still only 22, so he's still young. He's going to progress his, his game further. But right now, uh, Trucks give him in a role that's more of a lockdown situation instead of rebounding. He doesn't take as many kick-ins. Mason Redmond and Dyson Heppel take about as many as him these days. Um, so he's just in a different role right now, and, and he still scores pretty well when he does have the ball, but... It's, it's a lot less um, of an intercepting role. Uh, it's a lot more of a lockdown. Like he took Liam Ryan a few weeks ago against the Eagles. He took Shea Bolton for, for patches of the Tigers game. Uh, I think, you know, there's less of an opportunity for him to run the ball out of defense and kick long when, when he's focused on, on the most dangerous small forward um, in the opposition. So I, I think if you don't have him right now, you just, um, you wait and see if his role changes, and if it doesn't, then then be happy that you're not copying um, the the average scores that he's been dishing out right now. Move on to the midfielders, um, and once again, it's a, it's interesting with the midfield because you got eight midfield spots in your Supercoach team, so there's a bit more sort of flexibility, I guess, for your personal selections. But um, sort of yeah, among the the top top handful, um, we've we've picked out um, the Bont, um, Clayton Oliver. Uh, Jack McRae, Darcy Parrish, um, Jack Steele, Jared Lyons, and Tuke Miller. Um, and, yeah, they seem to be sort of s- seven seven guys who will be pretty firmly firmly in the top. But, Matt, I'll throw to you. What um, what are your thoughts on sort of that eighth midfield spot or any any of the other guys who might be able to squeeze into the, yeah, the top eight midfielders? Well, one is is obviously the, the king from last year in Lockie Neal. And um, a lot of players or super coaches started with him. Um, and expected him to continue on his merry way. And obviously he had that back concern um, that kept him pretty limited in his role for Brisbane early on in the year. And then obviously um, his last game was against Carlton and missed, I think it was five weeks um, with injury concerns. So we didn't really get to see much of him and it was, it was quite disappointing having started with him and then lost, you know, about 150 K, but you know, he came out on the weekend with a 156. He's now at 576k, which is which is pretty prime, especially if you follow my uh, general rule of no one over 600k. He's he's fitting that price bracket, um, and his break even's 94. So, if he starts turning it around and and he looks like he's pretty clear from that injury, um, 
then there's no reason why he wouldn't start um, to you know push his scores back up. I don't think he's going to score 156 each week. Obviously, played North Melbourne on the weekend, but it's positive to see him back scoring like we like we knew and and loved uh, from last year. So at 576k, he's a pretty bargain basement price, um, and he didn't look to be at all limited by his uh, pre-injury concerns, which is the most important um, most important part or detail of his of his game on the weekend. Yeah, I love the Neil pick right now. He's he's underpriced for, for what he can produce. We know that. Um, and what we also know is that he is going to play a few easy teams. I mentioned them with, uh, with the Daniel Rich um, kind of shout out there. He, he's going to have a good opportunity to, to rack up points against um, below average clubs like he has done um, so far this season. His two biggest scores came against North Melbourne on the weekend. And then also Essendon in the wet who, who notoriously don't tag um, and, and I think he's, he's enjoying having Jared Lyons in the midfield next to him, who's upped his load as well. Um, he's a contested beast. So, so getting Neil on the outside is a bit, a bit more um, damaging for, for him with the ball. Uh, but we also know that he can get his contested touches and, and rack up the pill and tackles inside. Uh, there's a couple flags with a few of the guys on the fringe of the top eight in the midfield. Um, for me, I would have said Cam Guthrie is an absolute lock for this a few weeks ago before he did his shoulder and before Danger came back. But right now, the shoulder is a bit of an issue. He came back on the weekend, only scored an 80-odd. And, and Danger getting the midfield time, um, we saw Cam Guthrie out of the centre bounces a little bit more. And we know that he doesn't have high time on ground percentages. It's usually low 70%, which, which isn't great for a midfielder. Um, so I think Cam Guthrie is probably on the outside looking in right now. And also Sam Walsh, he got tagged on the weekend. And it was probably the most effective tag we've seen in the last few weeks. I, th- I thought DeBoer did an incredible job after he let Aaron Hall get the better of him the week before. And I think there's no reason why clubs wouldn't send a man to Sam Walsh, considering what it did. He didn't kick the ball in the first half, I don't think, of that game. And you know, he was completely nullified, no influence. Um, and and if you're going to get Patrick Cripps and and Ed Kerno kicking the ball instead of Sam Walsh into the forward 50. I think um, as the opposition coach, you're taking that every day of the week. So I'm not sure why um, clubs would be sending a guy to Sam Walsh from now on. And I think that's a huge flag, obviously for, for super coaches. Uh, Will my two picks out of this would be Petrarca or Merritt. Um, I'd see positives for both of them and they're both great picks and right now Petrarch is pretty underpriced and I think he's about to explode especially against my Bombers. Uh, who would you be picking out of those two for, for the final spot in the eight or do you have someone else? It's a tough one actually. I think um, I think both have been both have been pretty good so far this season. Zach Merritt um, averaging that 109 um, and he's been yeah he's been quite good for the for the Dons there and ably supported by um, by Darcy Parrish um, but Christian Petrarca, um, I think, tr- thinking trade-wise, I think at, at his current price, he's only, let me find him on the list, only about 550K, 546. Yeah, at his price, Christian Petrarca um, is is a good one to look to um, trade-wise. Um, and um, I think just with, with the Ds going the way they are as well, um, I think he's, he's quite the... Probably, probably the better of the two options, I'd say. Like, obviously, nothing, nothing against Zach Merritt, who's been been outstanding, as I said. But um, 
but yeah, Christian Petrarca, obviously with that that matchup with Clayton Oliver, who seems to be sort of the the number one midfielder for the D's. I think Petrarca's equally as able to to have an impact super coach wise with with his sort of ability to to go forward and hit the scoreboard and, and get involved in that way as well. And and speaking of hitting the scoreboard, we'll move on to the to the forwards. A couple of a couple of DPPs in here, but um, from the from the list we've put together, it's almost like the top six forwards. Um, um, a pretty should be pretty set in stone, I think. Yeah. So we've got um, Dane Zorko, um, Jack Siebel, Aaron Hall, Shea Bolton, Patrick Dangerfield, and and Dusty Martin. Um, obviously, Dangerfield's come back into that Geelong lineup in the last couple of weeks and didn't didn't do a whole lot on um, on Friday night against the Dogs, but still scraped his way to a ninety odd, I think. But um, um, Matt, I'll throw to you again. Anyone you think that could sneak into that top six mix? Well, Tommy Hawkins has been someone who has played really good football for for quite a long period of time. And despite being a key forward, has always been uh, pretty super coach relevant. Um, obviously, only scored the 58 on the weekend, which was a little disappointing, but he did uh, hurt his neck um, and required some attention in that third and fourth quarter. So I guess there are still question marks over his, his absolute fitness surrounding that, but... We see that when he is on the park and especially with Jeremy Cameron now in that forward line and, and Gary Rowan's having a pretty good season as well. Um, his ability to not only kick goals himself, but also be involved in other players scoring opportunities means that his scoring is quite positive. Um, we spoke a few weeks ago about Tommy Hawkins and, and his scoring before and after Jeremy Cameron entered that best 22 once he got fit Um and that's been a real positive influence on him. So he's one that I have in my side. I was wrapped with him a couple of weeks ago when I brought him in and then not so much this week. But I guess that's the perils of having a key forward in your team. Um, another one that we saw play in a, a really good game and um, he, he's been the talk of the town in Supercoach 2021. But that's Nick Hind, who um, has been a big sort of talking point, I guess, in, in the fact that... Um, Bombers got him so cheaply and, and St Kilda for some reason let him go for for, for not much. But he's, his run and dash off the halfback flank was um, once again very good on the weekend. Hind played a really good game um, off the halfback flank. And uh, he's 485k, but I, I think he'd probably be pretty worth it. Um, in hindsight, probably should have gone for Hind over Langford. But... Um, that's just one week. Langford might come out with a, a big 150 on the weekend. So hopefully he does that. But um, Hines another one that I, I really like. Yeah, I think uh, in hindsight, St. Kilda wouldn't have made that deal. Um, I like Hines. I also like Bailey Dale in a similar mould. has uh, gone from being a forward to a defender this year. And I think uh, he had a stinker on the weekend. He had 50, I think. Um, but I think that he's a really good option if you're looking for a point of difference um, in the forward line because there aren't great options. We know that the likes of a Zach Butters and a Rowan Marshall and a Toby Green and also a Patrick Dagerfield coming back this year and then a Josh Dunkley as well. Um, these are all like in the mix to be top six forwards, but they've all been injured for periods and, and Toby Green's back now and he, he put out another 100 and he, he looks like he'll be in the mix as well. Um, but I think the top six is kind of set. As we mentioned, Zorko will be coming back from his suspension and he seems a pretty clear number one right now. Zebel has been unbelievable and so has Aaron Hall. Both those North guys have been great in their back line. Shea Bolton and Dusty, the two Tigers, um, I think they're 
still great options, both of them. Dusty's a little bit worrying because we haven't seen him struggle this much in Supercoach for a few years now, uh, but he always seems to be able to turn it on and average over 100 and and do his Dusty kind of stuff towards the end of the season when Richmond um, get going. So I'm confident in both of those guys still. I think they're still both um, good options and almost must-haves um, once they get going. And then Danger is the one that's just come back. 95 points on the weekend. Didn't do much. Missed a lot of shots. Um, dropped a lot of marks and, and just like looks really rusty still. But he still scored 95 points because he's Danger and he gets points for fun. Um, so he's just, I think he's a must-have at some point and, and it's probably within the next two rounds you probably need to pick him up because he's going to start hurdling up in price. Do you think Jake Stringer could be sort of in that upper echelon of forwards come the end of the year? Because obviously um, he had an absolute no. ripper of a game. <laughs> I love the call, but he's not going to play the witch's hats that are Hawthorne every week, unfortunately. Righto. Uh, he did. Just relax. He'd average 180 or whatever he scored um, on the weekend. We always beat you. What do you mean, witches hats? We're not North Melbourne. Christ. <laughs> Mate, you're literally one spot above North Melbourne. I don't know what you're talking about. You beat us by like a goal. Relax. But, so the we issue here is that he plays, he plays Melbourne and then he plays Geelong in the next two weeks. So he's, he's probably going to score maybe... 120 points in those two fixtures and he scored 180 on the weekend. So you can't go chasing the points that he scored on the weekend. You have to look ahead to his fixtures, say he's probably not going to score that um, because he is the biggest enigma in the AFL and is the most hot and cold player as well. Uh, So I think it's probably a no from me, Will. And I know you jumped on him midway through the season. Yeah, Kako's just, he's just filthy that he got rid of him after his injury. I did. To be to be fair, I was just looking at his scores before, and like a couple of weeks after I traded him out, he went like twenty seven again or something and got injured. So, bit bit disappointed as a former owner to see him um, do so well on the weekend. But um, no, I, I I do do rate that call from both of you. Um, we'll move on to Ruckman now, um, and you can look no further than Max Gorn and Brody Grundy for the well, pretty likely top two rucks. Uh, by the end of this season, but um, one one bloke we've discussed a, a little bit in the last few weeks is Sean Darcy, um, and he's possibly a chance um, to to be that really solid third third rock option. So uh, Matt, I'll throw I'll throw to you there. Um, what are your thoughts on Sean Darcy and where he could um, how he could go for the rest of this season? I don't mind the Sean Darcy call. There is one other ruckman that I'll touch on um, after him that I'd probably like a little bit more, but Darcy's got. Decent run home will come up against Collingwood, obviously, this week. And we we assume that um, Brody Grundy's back. We haven't heard much from the Collingwood camp, but they have had that bye in the last round. So we're hoping that he's well, he's free to play. And then he'll have, um, after that, he'll have Pitnet for Carlton and McAvoy and Segler, the GOAT, uh, for Hawthorne the week after before um, it starts to get a little bit easier for him. He's obviously got Geelong after that, Sydney, Richmond, Brisbane, West Coast and St Kilda. So half those teams don't have a legitimate Ruckman in their best 22. So he'll do pretty well in, in that regard and, and is obviously averaging 111.7 over his last three and, and 109 over, over the season itself. So it has been pretty consistent and, and it's obviously handy to have at a relatively cheap price at 550k. Um, but Riley O'Brien is one that's we've talked about a little bit Probably not as much as we needed to, especially after his start to the year where he only scored, you know, um, 
let's have a look here. Two fifties to start the year. Sorry. Um, we've got the numbers there eventually. Um, but in his last three games, he 147 against a, a ruckless Richmond, 137 against a ruckless Collingwood, and then 90 against St Kilda, um, who I believe were rucking Paul Hunter. I'd have to go back and double check that. I can't remember exactly. So it doesn't fill me with great confidence that he's going to be able to continue that for the rest of the season. But once again, he's someone who's, when he goes big, he can go really big and um Obviously, at early stage of the season, he scored really poorly, but um, he's still averaging, you know, 95 on the year, which is including those 250-point scores and, and 124 over his last three. So not a bad option. Um, now that I've read out all the statistics, I'm probably leaning back towards Darcy. Yeah. What about Nick? Nick Nadineau is currently the third highest ruckman based on average and, and second high based on second highest based on total score should say Jasper what are your thoughts on Nick Nat will he he end up as that third or fourth yeah it just doesn't appeal to me because he spends a lot of time on the bench um, he requires he's, he's hit outs to advantage his contested possessions because he doesn't really mark the footy much he like, there's there's a lot wrong in his game and there's a lot right in his game so everything kind of has to go well for him to score well um, and it does a lot of the time, but uh, for me, I'd rather Sean Darcy. I think he's a great option still. Wish he had forward status, to be honest. Um, and and if he did, he'd be a top six forward. Uh, and I'd like he's going to win the majority of his hitouts. Um, he's he's hitting it down to blokes who are very competent right now. Uh, I'm not sure Nat Fife's details. He might be back soon, hopefully. But even like the the fleet of of Chera and Brayshaw. Um, and then, and then Mundy, the young gun, uh, you know, he's getting involved with the touches. He's, he's buttering up at ground level. He's laying tackles. He's kicking goals. I think he can do it all. And he's only 22. He's going to improve out of sight. I think he's going to become a really, really fancy rele- um, super coach relevant player for the next, uh, you know, five or six years. Um, but you know, the rocks, it's just Gordon Grundy. That's all there is to it. Really set and forget. That's the one. All right. We'll move on. It's time for our favorite segment. Once again, Captain, my captain. Oh, captain, my captain. It is O oh, Captain, my captain. Um, we're here to have a look at the best captaincy options for round 15 um, of the Supercoach season. Back to nine games. So plenty of matchups to choose from. Um, Jasper, who will you be rolling with this week? Uh, well, if you have a Jared Lyons, and even if you have a lucky Neil, you could back him in. I think Lyons will be really good on Thursday night, Brisbane versus Geelong. Um, but the thing about nine games is. We're going to get Grundy and we're going to get Gorn. I mean, we should get Grundy. We're definitely going to get Gorn. And he's going up against Sam Draper. And I love my boy, Sam Draper. He had a great game on the weekend, but he still uh, doesn't get around the ground as well as Max Gorn will. Um, he, he will lose the majority of his hitouts. Uh, so I think Max will be a great option. He is, or depending on when you're going to loophole, because I know a lot of teams uh, might not have too many red dots right now because they've, they've gone through the buy period with as many green dots as they can. Um, so it depends when you're able to loop. Uh, so Max Gorn will probably be my captain um, because I'll probably loop Finn McRae if he doesn't get a game uh, for Collingwood, which is the, the second game on Saturday. But before that, I'm interested in Jack Zebel. Now, he comes up against the Suns and, and Port defenders had a good day. Like I mean, everyone for Port had a good day against them last week. And, and I think he will go big. Uh, so I'll back uh, Jack Zebel in with my BC. What about you, Matt? Who are you looking to captain and vice-captain this week? I'd be a little bit worried about the Lions and 
Neil combination on Thursday night because of uh, one Mark O'Connor, who has done a very good job in shutting down midfielders in the opposing teams this year. So he's obviously going to go to one of the two. Um, he's fit and, and he's back playing footy. So whether it's Lyons or Neil, it, it's hard to say. You'd think probably Neil that he'll go to, but um, in saying that, Lions has been pretty phenomenal this year. So it, it could it's really a, a toss of the coin and I, I probably wouldn't risk it uh, if I owned either of them. Um, Dusty's against St. Kilda is probably going to kick 10 and have 40. Um, so he's one to watch, but I think Gorn's probably the safe uh, bet against a Sam Draper who um, played pretty well last week. Um, but Gorn's, yeah, that next class up. We Gorn's been a bit of a weird one this year. He hasn't dominated the the lesser Ruckman as we usually have ex, um, expected in, in previous years. This year, it's been a, a little bit different. So I'd expect a, a 140 to 150 from Gorn, but... Um, who knows? We'll see. I do like the Jack Zebel against Gold Coast, though. That's uh, that's one that um is pretty tasty. And then uh, GWS against Hawthorne on Sunday. I reckon that's probably going to be a few GWS players who you could look at, like a Tim Taranto, Josh Kelly, if he plays. But obviously, he's nursing that ankle at the moment. Uh, Lockie Whitfield's another one who's a who's been scoring well in the, his last game, so he's another one to look at. I think for myself, I, I love Tom Stewart. He's had a great, um, great few weeks. Um, I had him as vice captain last week, but he didn't seem to get as many points as he probably should have. But I think I'll be considering him once again. Um, it's the definition of insanity, but I'll, I'll give him a crack on on <laughs> Thursday night, and then um, yeah, probably Max Gorn um, against Essendon or Clayton Oliver, as we mentioned before. I don't own him, but could be a good option as well. That's it for today on the Supercoach Sanctum podcast. Thank you for joining us uh, once again. You can find us on Twitter at SC Sanctum, and you can visit theinnersanctum.com.au um, to keep up to date with all sports news and our special Supercoach content during the week. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.